Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Fitness Philadelphia podcast. I'm your host, Dr. John Herding, and I have the absolute pleasure of talking to Philadelphia's best sports medicine physicians, physical therapists, strength coaches, and personal trainers. These movement professionals are the leaders driving the healthcare revolution in the Philadelphia region. During each episode, we gain valuable insight into how these individuals are changing the game. Please stop by precisionperformancept.com backslash fitness with a PH Philadelphia to subscribe and learn more. Hello, everyone. I'm Dr. John Herding here with Dr. Jeremy Boyd. How are you, Jeremy? Good. How's it going, John? Good. I'm doing really well. Jeremy doesn't know this, but I've, I've, and we've, we're like, we, we have the same, we're living in the same network of people just about, but we've never actually met. So this is the first time we've actually been able to talk, but I've been, I've admired him from afar because he, he is one of the clinicians in the Philadelphia area that is one of the most well credentialed clinicians in the area. So I'm glad that we can get him on to kind of showcase what him and his business are doing. So thank you, Jeremy, for, for coming on today. I appreciate it. Um, Thank you for having me. Yeah. So, so Jeremy is the owner of Trifecta Therapeutics just off of Rowan's campus, right? What's the town specifically? Glassboro. Glassboro. And you just opened a second location, right? Yep. In Cherry Hill. Absolutely. That's awesome. So it's, it's great to see a fellow small business owner expanding. It, people are seeing the good things that you're doing. But Jeremy, like myself, kind of focuses or does focus, um, to my understanding, on a more athletic population in the PT space. And He's, I talked about some of his board certifications. He's orthopedic clinical specialist, a sports clinical specialist, and then he has, he's manual fellowship trained, correct? Correct. Yeah. So, so you're not going to find, if you're looking for a rehab specialist, you're not going to find someone in the Philadelphia area that's more credentialed with those particular sets of skills. So Jeremy, why don't you, if you don't mind, because I gave you a little bit of background, but you're going to champion yourself better than I ever would. Would you be able to kind of give us your origin story, how you came to accumulate all of these credentials, what drives you with the continuing education and what drives you to kind of work with the specific, start a business and then work with a specific population that you've chosen to work with? Yeah. So thanks for the the hype there. Uh, there are a lot of great clinicians in Philly, including yourself there, John, and your, your team. So yeah, I may have like a lot of letters behind my name, but uh, that's uh, thanks to a very loving and uh, accepting wife of all my uh, <laughs> con ed and whatnot. So shout out to the missus there. But uh, yeah, I guess uh, I guess the origin there, I've always, uh, always was this into athletics. Uh, I really wasn't very good at anything. Maybe soccer was probably my best sport, but I was, you know, anything I could get my hands on, any type of sport, I, I, was, I was down to play or try. Uh, I had just more of the outwork yourself uh, uh, mentality, uh, so couldn't really made up for my lack of talent per se. So that when I came to looking for a career and everything like that, I fell in love with like the idea of like sports medicine, helping those individuals, the individuals I couldn't exactly be. So that led me. Uh, I just by chance fell found physical therapy. Uh, that was uh, we're going back. Uh, well, shoot. Uh, it's 2022 now, 15 years, uh, Google just randomly popped it up for me. So I fell in love. I volunteered at a place. Uh, was, luckily it was a great place to get a good shadowing experience. That uh, was Jersey physical therapy and, uh, Mark Rubenstein, who's, I guess my first mentor in the profession. Uh, so he, you know, showed me the, 
the, the the art of physical therapy of like really the communication side and really being there for your patients. And that's when it like clicked for me that this is something I really want to do. So I went to Stockton, uh, down in, uh, Atlantic, uh, close to Atlantic city. It's now in Atlantic city. I wish I wish I could have went there while I was in Atlantic city. I'd probably be broke, but so uh, I was in Galloway, but uh, yeah, I further got more exposed to, uh, um, some awesome clinicians, uh, Terry Andrews was my first CI and he was probably the, you know, one who really kind of triggered the idea of like really pushing myself, especially getting some of these credentials. He was, he had his OCS, he was certified in orthopedic manual therapy. And just the conversations I had with him were just at such a next level. And I almost felt to a degree uh, ashamed or felt bad for the, the patients that were seeing me as the student. Cause I'm like, well, I'm here and he's like all the way up here. And I was like, I got to do everything in my power to try and, you know, bridge that gap as quickly as I can. I mean, at the time, Terry was probably was probably practicing for 20 plus years. And uh, so I was like, I got to speed this up. And that's what led me down the residency route where I got to go to Temple and uh, work under some really, really amazing PTs. Well, some I call the GOATs. Uh, Bill Egan and Scott Burns and Hyosia, and they kind of further sparked uh, my fire to like keep pushing, keep learning. And I always had something, uh, you know, I was in orthopedics as general outpatient orthopedics for a while, but every time I did get a kid or something like that who came into the, into the doors, I mean, I love treating any, anybody, especially like anything that requires differential diagnosing and like direct access, uh, the people that have kind of been over medicalized and haven't gotten anywhere, but there's a, just a little bit inside me that when I get someone who's active in a more, uh, more in the athlete realm, I just, I get a little bit more enjoyment out of it per se. And that's what, uh, kind of start up the idea of having trifecta. Uh, I only get them every once in a while where I used to work and I was just like, why don't I just, you know, have something where it's every day, every client that I see has, you know, some sort of active goals. So that's what led to trifecta. And, uh, I was also a big goofball. I'm still pretty much a big goofball in the clinic. Uh, and I was like, it's, it's easier to be a, you're a goofball in your own clinic versus someone else's clinic where they're like, what the hell is Jeremy doing? Yeah. Uh, so nobody can do that to me anymore. So that's, that was, uh, my second motivation, uh, starting up trifecta. Yeah. Did you always know that you would be a business owner or did that kind of just organically happen? No, I actually, I actually knew when I got into PT school that that was, that was the mission. Uh, I wrote my first business plan when I was probably like 2021 20, mm-hmm. uh, for a PT practice. It wasn't called Trifecta. Oh, I didn't think of that cool of a name back then. Uh, but that was always, always the, the mission. And even my friends in high school, like when we hang out in college, they used to always talk about building the empire because I used to talk about it a lot. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, it just uh, something that happened. So it was always in the back of my mind. It was always always my mission. And then uh, when it came to the point where, again, I was probably more, I got all these like credentials and I was like the lead of the, you know, the company and everything like that. I was like, okay, I think I'm, and I'm comfortable and confident enough where I can go on my own and deliver something that, you know, would be a good quality product to, to the people. So I made sure I got all the mentorship that I could uh, and still get mentorship. So like really friendly with all the people I used to work with, but 
that that was a moment. It was I didn't know when they would start. It was a wide range, and when it came to that point, I was like, it's time. So everything fell in place. And then, and then I love the name of the business, Trifecta. How did you come up with Trifecta Therapeutics? Because the standard, and even my business is named, you know, Precision Performance Therapy or, or Physical Therapies in the name. Why? How did you come up with Trifecta? Because then you were able to, you paired, you have a hand signal and it's all over social yeah. media and it's become like kind of your call sign, you yeah. know? <laughs> so it's really cool. How did you come up with kind of that, that name and the branding and uh, because it's, you have a great social media page and you put out some great stuff and you can tell your personality comes out in it with the goofball in this and like it's a fun <laughs> clinic to go to and yeah. Yeah. So yeah, a couple things with that. So one of the original, my original, I guess I had the original business plan and then in PT school I had my roommates and I brought them in of this idea of starting up a business and I think I just went to National Student Conclave where that was the first exposure I got to residencies and specializing in physical therapy. So I came up with the first idea of like two of my roommates. Uh, I was just like, it was going to be a three-level place, actually. Uh, good thing that never happened. That, that overhead <laughs> would be awful. Uh, we were each going to do a specialization and have like three different floors and that sort of stuff. And it didn't work out, obviously. I didn't, I didn't go in partnership with any of them, but that was like the idea was like, I wanted to have, you know, three specialties. And I had three passions of essentially orthopedics, uh, sports rehab, and then I'm a big manual therapist. Mm-hmm. Um, so those are my, my three. There's a couple other three themes. I was number three all through high school athletics. Uh, still my favorite number, obviously. I'm the third Boyd brother, so there's three of us. And then uh, going into like the logos and everything like that, um, I'm Egyptian. No, that's a fun fact for everybody. I'm half Egyptian. My mom's from Egypt, uh, so it's pyramids. Okay. <laughs> so my bud, uh, uh, Scott uh, Fisher, he, I, I told him all these things. He had a clothing company, company called Amphibia. And he's like, I can make you a logo. And I told him all these things beforehand. And he's like, I got it. And he created that logo. And then from the logo, uh, you know, just talking about it, I think I was with my wife's cousin, Pat, and we were like just talking about it and we were doing this, which a lot of people think it's Illuminati from like 50 Cent and all them, but uh, <laughs> that developed like the hand sign and yeah, kind of made this like almost like cultish sort of thing with, uh, with our business and uh, it just kind of spread. And uh, the therapeutics part, that's uh that's that's something uh, a little tough on emails writing that out but uh that was my focus focus group which was my wife and her family in a group text when i was like i know it's gonna be trifecta i just don't know if it's trifecta sports rehab or therapy or this and through therapeutics in, and they all voted for that so that's mm-hmm. how it all came to be so uh, i wouldn't have it any other way minus the email it could have just done jeremy at trifecta dot com or something that that would be a lot better <laughs> i'm with you our emails are like john at precision performance pt and every time i write it out i was like oh that's a tongue twister like I yeah <laughs> but it's, it's good i mean perform most people know pt and performance yeah uh, how to spell it at least uh everybody misses like a t or s in therapeutics somewhere along, even me i've gotten some stuff where my i've rejected my own emails i'm like Son of a bitch. That was, that was a dumb move, but it works. It works. 
It's a great story, though. It's it's always great to hear how people kind of came up with like the concept of their business and then the name. And you know, very often it's it's just something that organically kind of happens just from thinking through. It. And I, it's great. You've created a great kind of brand that that hopefully carries on, and you can build that empire. That'll be great. <laughs> Hopefully, hopefully, as long as it's done the right way. And, you know, I never want to like give up the values of the company. I know it's like, it's tough for, you know, to grow and scale up, especially PT practices. I know you do an amazing job, especially mentoring your, your uh, PTs and growing your culture, which is also something very admirable. And I've watched you guys, but it's, uh, as long as it's grown the right way and we still provide a, you know, an excellent source of, of PT, that's, that's. That's that's how I want the empire to be. So it's a very a small empire right now. Absolutely, and I and I think yeah. that's where we share the ideal of you never want to grow and lose quality because you want to make sure, especially with the state of healthcare in and and what without going too far down this path and what people's perception of traditional PT is. And I think we're both, mm-hmm. you know, the outliers on that. I think mm-hmm. you never want to grow. You know, my thought process is you don't want to grow too fast because then you just end up losing quality and you can't provide the product that I know both you and I pride ourselves on providing. Yeah. So, like, if you just take this patient first mentality, Mm -hmm. you make sure you do it the right way. Definitely hit the nail on the head with that. Yeah. So, you mentioned something very interesting. And again, I think this is why we've kind of admired each other from afar is because you notice when you are in you know, one of your, your clinical mentorships that you wanted to close that gap of a 20 year clinician and you as a new clinician as quickly as possible. So you, mm-hmm. you took all of this con ed and I've been in that same place. I, I feel like there are times where I was at a course every single weekend and sometimes mm-hmm. it was too much, but so, like, but in the end now it's kind of formed both of our practices because we, we made education early in our careers a priority. And again, mm-hmm. with like, with great significant others that kind of understood that, you know, cause there's always somebody else involved in the process of taking care of some of the things on the weekends, but talk to me and maybe this uh, from a slant, we can go towards like a newer clinician, the value of prioritizing education early mm-hmm. and then how that's helped you provide the best service to your, you know, your patients now. Be- you know, I think that's that's something that not everybody wants to do, but I think it should be a driver of why people choose PT. And I don't think people always realize that they have a choice in PT, but they do, especially with direct access and our ability to diagnose. But why was, um, you know, closing that gap so important to you and personally as you become a, uh, the best clinician that you can? Yeah, so yeah, there's, uh, I, I get it with, with coming out of school per se or you're most, most people getting through DPT school get somewhat burnt out. It's a lot of hours, you know, it's a lot of money. You're, you're in debt. Uh, mm-hmm. If you get out of school without that, kudos to you. Uh, but for most of us, you know, that's kind of the sort of thing. And um, I think a lot of people come out of school and they're like, hey, I can't, I can't look at another book or anything like that. But when you really, and if you look at the research of like careers and outcomes and uh, satisfaction with your jobs, those first two years are gold which I'm glad that I got exposed to individuals that pushed me to really go hard. And well, I still go to school and that sort of stuff, but you know, those first two years out of school really define your entire career for the most part. Not saying that you can't, you know, if you're five, six, seven, ten 10 years out, you can't do things now, but it really shapes and, you know, grows your career. So, you know, as it was like, luckily, you know, I got exposed to it when I was in school 
I was just never satisfied. I, I started my job, my first job in a place where I guess it would be the standard or norm in physical therapy. And um, I wasn't surrounded by the same level of cl- clinicians and it was, I couldn't do it anymore. I was within the first week I was looking for a new job, which advice for any young clinicians out there, please make sure you spend time and watch the place that you potentially uh, going to work so that you don't get fall into the same uh, pitfall that I did. Uh, but uh, yeah, I just, I want to, want to be surrounded by people get inspired more and continue to kind of close that gap. And the more I learned, the more confident I became and the more empowered I kind of felt about our profession. Uh, I think that's the most amazing thing about this profession is we can offer so, so, so much. We really, I mean, APT had the vision 2020. It's definitely been pushed back of us being this autonomous practitioner being almost a primary practitioner. And I believe we can do that. Just not enough people know that. And I'm saying patients. I mean, yes, the standard patient goes in uh, and they just go to place whatever's next to them or whatever it says on a script or whatever it may be uh, and don't know that they can, there's more to it than just, you know, classic hot packs, ice, you know, high ice, basic exercises that the next five people are doing the same thing. There's more to there's clinicians that are going to listen to you that are going to modify your program there go every session and kind of care about you. Uh, but you have to kind of find those places. But the students too, or clinicians themselves, they, if they're exposed to that at the clinical level, you know, that's all they got. And that's what they think this profession's about. And that's why I want to now move like next step is continue to educate the, the, the upcoming uh, PTs and that sort of stuff. So we're pushing this profession forward. So each time I did my trainings, whether it's residency, I did fellowship, I just continued to want to expand upon these things because ultimately I think I think we should really be the primary neuromuscular practitioners in all of medicine. Uh, there's obviously some, you know, you know, your orthopedists and your sports med doctors, you have amazing chiropract- uh, chiropractors out there, uh, but I think we're we're very underutilized in this profession. And if we can kind of level up our games and everything like that, we can, uh, we can certainly attain that position as the primary practitioners. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think, and that's part of, you know, hopefully clinicians like you and I, and there's a bunch out there, you just have to find them can help level that up. Because I do mm-hmm. think similar to you, like the reason I crushed Con Ed in those first couple of years is because I felt like people were entrusting us with our, their health we need to be able to provide the best service possible right? yeah. because that's, that's a responsibility that I don't always think PTs take as, you know, like they should. But if mm-hmm. someone's coming to you with responsibility to get them out of pain, right? I think that we need to take it very seriously that, you know, we can provide them with the optimal service. So how does that help drive your employee culture? And then I know edu- educating up and coming students for both of us is a priority, but how does helping how do you promote your clinicians kind of maintaining that same type of educational standard this episode of the podcast is brought to you by the rise education platform rise stands for rehab integrated into sports education we offer solutions for business owners who want to bring more athletes into their practice as well as clinicians to help them better understand how to integrate sports performance metrics into the rehab setting. Our 12-week master's class for clinicians 
offers solutions for clinicians to begin to implement these ideas right away. And our business mentorships helps business owners figure out the solutions that best suit their business's needs. Visit sportsrehabeducation.com for more information. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely easy. I mean, the, the clinicians I hire, they've all been students of ours. And, you know, during their, I guess, exit interview or things that they say during their time with us is they're organically saying they want to do the same things. So our, our brand, uh, I guess, is more we've gone through it. We go through residencies and that sort of stuff. There's different options. There's mentorship groups. There's online groups. There's con- ed uh, like courses. There's kind of certs and all that sort of stuff. So whatever routes you want to take. But, you know, when they start saying those sort of things, that's when like, I want this person on my team because mm-hmm. I want that person who's never going to settle in a sense. I think you, the mentality of like, you can never be quite good enough is something that I appreciate in any clinician is like, you constantly want to grow and learn and never stop that. So when you, you bring that on, you know, you have those sort of things. I want you on my team. Then there's some other factors, of course, just, uh, you know, I guess having some goofballness, maybe a little bit, you know, makes it a little easier for the art style culture and whatever it may be. That way it's more of a rapport building with patients and such. But uh, yeah, it's something we definitely, you know, look for. And so we will supply or promote, you know, doing a residency, you know, and that way they can kind of continue doing that. Because ultimately what residency a lot of it gives is, you know, a lot of that's mentorship. Uh, There's always didactic weekends, which uh, you work on your psychomotor skills, which is amazing. Uh, But a lot of it's that that in-depth mentorship. And it's real mentorship. I always tell like people looking for new jobs and they're like, oh, this company offers mentorship and they go and the first week it's like, mine was a checklist on my first job. They're like, you can do this, you can do this, you can do this. Mm-hmm. Great. All right. Uh, orientation mentorship is done. I was like, oh, okay, great. No, but you really want someone who's there with you, picking your brain, challenging you. And I think that's the biggest thing is like wanting to be challenged. Uh, a lot of our you know clinicians, students, if they don't want to be challenged, you're not going to grow, right? Challenge causes growth. So that's what we look for in our students and our, and our new employees. And is that kind of drive to kind of look to be challenged, look to be pushed. We, we put our students through interviews uh, that are pretty, pretty intense. Uh, I get the nickname Scary Jerry. I think I'm a nice guy, but I guess on interview processes, I'm, I'm, I'm intense. So uh, <laughs> I get the same thing. I get the same yeah. thing. Practicals at Widener. I'm like, I've... And- eight years, I think I've failed one person. And they're like, yeah, but you're just like your demeanor. I'm like, well. <laughs> it's a, it's a curious demeanor. That's all yeah, it is. Know. You know, uh, I've heard nothing but like great things and nice things about you or everyone that says it, it's like John's nicest guy. So, but to hear that, I guess that must be a thing. It's just like, yeah, we're just mostly like curious. And I guess if you come off as curious and you ask the wise behind people, things like students get like, Oh my God, I must not be doing it right, sort of thing. Well, I'm like, no, I'm just, I'm just trying to see where your head's at. Mostly for my, I mean, I, I say it's kind of greedy for me to take students. Is I'm trying to figure out why you're doing things and seeing if it's things I can apply it myself. I'm like, oh, you do that differently, or you create a new exercise, or maybe hmm. a different technique. And I'm just like, hmm, okay. But I, apparently, I turn my head in a way when I'm like watching from afar and it yeah. gives me I know, a, a look to it. So 
I got to work on that, especially during the mask part. Apparently, just my eyes look pretty scary. So uh, I don't know if I need to wear shades in the clinic or what. But Yeah, that's the thing. I think it's I, – I don't know. It's just like this inquisitive nature because I want to learn as much from them as they learn from me. So mm-hmm. like – and very often I'll ask the questions because, sure, you could – it might not be the way I do things, but it's an appropriate way to do it and I want to understand the process. And I guess that just gets put off as, you know, I'm scary and whatever. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't get it either. I'm like, oh, if I ever been like mad or yelled or like said you can't do that, I'm like, they're like, no, but yeah, it's still scary. I'm like, all right, I guess so. I think it's just uncomfortable. Smile on. I don't know. I think that'll be scarier from just smiling, and staring at you from you know the desk away. I, I think that would be even more concerning. So I don't know. Maybe I'll put cameras up and watch the film later and have a film study. I don't know. I'll have to figure that one out. Or they can deal with it. That's that's probably just going to be one requirement is, you know, the owner is just going to be staring at you randomly throughout the day. So deal with it. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So talk about so talk about what what kind of person fits like as a patient fits really well into your clinic, like someone searches, you know, physical therapy near me in your area. And what's going to help? What type of person are you really looking for? Who's going to fit into your culture? really well? Because I think. A culture fit for we just talked about like your employees, but also I think a patient culture fit will help them be more successful when you th- start talking about the psychosocial component of rehab and all mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. So, what kind of patient when they're really looking for a rehab specialist to best serve their needs would be a really good culture fit uh, coming into the clinic? Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, first things first. Again, we're I mean, you both are are sports rehab, so I mean, the big thing is. You have to want to be active or you're active. Not saying like, oh, I'm totally against sedentary people in a sense. I used to treat them, but I'm going to, I know myself and my clinicians are going to pour our heart and soul into treating you, which was another like fact that I saw like in the PTs I would hire is like the amount of accountability and how many times my students would beat themselves up. It was something just didn't go quite their way versus just like chalking up as whatever. It's just the end of the day. I love that sort of thing. Like, all right, they're hungry to have even better sessions. But if we're going to do it, it gets to that point where like some of my students or employees are walking out of the day like, damn, I wish I did this and that. Uh, you know, if they're going to put that much out there, you know, we want our, our patients to be active in the process of rehab. So a lot of obviously active individuals are going to definitely do that. And then, uh, yeah, just be, be, I guess, ready to open up. I mean, we do, you mentioned the psychosocial component. A lot of our, you know, we don't recognize how much our past histories or our current experiences outside the actual pain, you know, what's going on in our life can impact our the pain experience. So being ready to open up, I mean, that requires building trust and developing therapeutic alliance with your respective therapist. But if you're a very closed mind, you're not going to, you know, you know, spill the beans in a sense or not willing to kind of talk things through. If we can't figure out where your head's at, it's it's tougher to rehab those individuals for sure. You know, but again, it, it's a lot on the clinician to to get to that point with each patient. But yeah, those are those are I guess the main things to be looking for. And hopefully uh, you know, just come and be yourself. We we pride ourselves on it being a fun environment. That was something I always wanted was uh again, I call it being a goofball, but it was like things I was doing in an outpatient general outpatient clinic was I was like doing, you know, penalty shootouts with, you know, kids in a small 1000 square foot, you know, clinic 
and you know playing around doing like wall sits and pushing kids around and just having a good time and trying making it a more enjoyable experience because i know it sucks and it's never fun to be in pain but you know i try and we try to make it as enjoyable as possible you know playing your music if you want and then you know really getting to know you personally so it becomes us like everybody's chatting with each other from the front office to volunteers and chatterers to the pts themselves so you know just come in and if hopefully you know if you want more than just the standard i'm going to get better experience maybe something even beyond that uh, i would say we're trying to provide like life-changing physical therapy like we're looking hopefully not just at what's your problem now but three steps ahead hopefully like what we can educate can set you up for success for the long road so yeah i guess that's in a nutshell that's probably longer rant than I need to be. <laughs> no, it's great because I, I think like when you really think about it, like does anybody really want to be in PT? Like mm. not very often. And we see a, a, I don't know about your population, but we see a ton of direct access. But yeah. most of the time people are being referred to PT because, and they're coming because the physician told them to, right? Mm-hmm. They don't really want to be there. But if we can create this welcoming space that's creating connection is relationship focused and fun. Mm-hmm. Right then, that's gonna want that people are gonna be more apt to to come experience the service, to stay, so that we can make those life changing progressions to make sure that maybe they don't have to ever come back and see us. Mm-hmm. Right, like that would that would be the goal for most of my patients. Like I want to set you up for success, so that maybe you only have to come back because you get like, you know, a typical training ache or pain that you need like one session to take care of and you're done, but you're never having that like catastrophic or catastrophic injury that you need surgery, like an ACL or something that's a nine month rehab. But if we can set you up, you know, we might meet you through the injury because a physician referred or you heard you, you came to us somehow, but if we can get you through the injury, but then set you up for success long term with some good movement principles, like, Technically, like, I don't want to see you again. I hope we're great friends and we have a great relationship, but, and you stop in just to say hi or use our Normatex or whatever. But, like, I don't, you, you know, like, I want it to be a more lasting relationship than just the four to six weeks the doctor told you to come see us for two to three times a week. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, you can, we're always like a, you know, quick text or phone call away for those little things or, you know, hopefully it's more utilized for your successes. Like, oh, I was able to do this. I hit my PR, or, yeah. you know, I got recruited by this college and that sort of stuff. And yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head there. It was just like, you know, setting people up for life and then, you know, not having, the, empowering your patients so they don't need to be, you know, having services all the time, especially, you know, our chronic pain patients that, you know, once you start getting through their history, how many, either providers or different medical interventions that these individuals have, even the active ones, they're prior, you know, they'll go out and get like 10 different medical services over the years. And I like to, you know, be the end of that to a degree. Like what you said, John is like, yeah, someone may have told you to come in or a doctor said finally, or a physician said finally go to them and, you know, be the end of that where we're empowering them to not be over medicalized in a sense. So, and then, yeah, it's always nice to see them on the back end and get pictures of them climbing a mountain that they couldn't possibly do a year ago or something like that. So, 
Yeah, it's great. I think you're similar to us. Like we have, you know, pictures of all of our patients who will send them to us of them, their athletic success or them, you know, doing the Spartan race or, you know, it's not just athletes we put on the wall. It's, it's everybody who has a success Mm -hmm. after coming to PT because we want to champion their process and the fact that they're able to do what they will do. And, And like your clinic, we, we expect people to be active in the process so it's usually the patient that makes us look good because they're putting in the work, mm-hmm. right? Absolutely. So then, then some do too much work, as you know, in like the active population. I'm like, oh, you know, we talk about ACLs and they'll grind it out for nine straight months in there. I'm like, oh, I'll, like things are a little sore and that sort of something. How many, how, how often are you working out? They're like, oh, two times a day, six, seven days per week. I'm like, Ah, uh, you're probably you're probably doing a little too much. Uh, so it's it's that fine balance of figuring out the right amount. But again, always a lot easier with the with the those who are active minded. So we get a lot more credit probably than what we deserve. But no, absolutely. Oh, like, shot, Don't tell so. anybody. <laughs> but actually, speaking to that ACL patient, right, that might overdo it. Have you found yourself? Because I know you like to form connections with sports specific coaches, personal trainers, colleges you like to form a team around the athlete. Mm-hmm. And then it sounds like you almost become sometimes the, you know, the consultant that's managing the team or like helping to dial people back. Can you talk a little bit about how you're, you're forming a connection? Cause, cause it's very rare that you see that in a private sector, right? If, if there's a D one athlete, they have the athletic trainer, they have the strength and conditioning coach, the PT, the skill specific coach. But privately, mm-hmm. you don't see that very often. But it seems like in your business, you've been able to create those connections where if somebody comes into you, you can send them to a skill coach or performance coach that can be part of that process or vice versa, right? You'll get referrals from yeah. a skill coach or a performance coach. Talk to me about how you become kind of that athlete manager, consultant, or how that's really guided your practice to best serve your patients. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I always call it like, I, I try to be the quarterback, I guess, of the, of the, uh, medic, of the, of the athlete per se. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, I came to the realization, uh, I guess I have a, I guess an unhealthy addiction to like wanting to get, continue to be better to be a sports, I guess, sports physical therapist or sport mm-hmm. orthopedic sports physical therapist, but let's face it, it's more sports now. And I, I've, I dive in, I do all these sort of things and all my research, my con ed, all this sort of stuff is that now if I've taken some coaching classes and that sort of stuff, yeah, I mean, a lot of my staff is, have their CSCSs and all that sort of stuff, but we put invest all our, our efforts into becoming the best PTs. I'd be doing a disservice to the, the athlete if I tried to do all the other components, like being just a strength and conditioning coach or the skills coach. Uh, me, I played soccer. I have a guy who played basketball who's if you want to, you can coach people if you want to. But um, once you look and you want to have the best interest in the, for the athlete, you start to realize if I can connect them with the people who the, the amount of time I invest into being a PT, they're investing into their whatever their specific skill set, being the best strength and conditioning coach for basketball players. And it's gone to that niche level for like strength and condition, conditioning. You have guys who are really good at strength and conditioning of basketball, baseball, golf now, and connecting those individuals and setting your athlete up for those, uh, like, hey, I need you to go see this individual. And every time I've done that, and it's tough, you know, uh, maybe it's an additional expense or it's additional time. They're like, oh, why can't you do it? I'm like, believe me, if you get in with this person, they're going to up your game. You know, my job is to 
diagnose, see what's going on, you know, help modulate your pain, educate you, but you want to, you know, work on your shot or, you know, work on your ability to cut and those sort of things. Work with someone who's done that, who's gone to the conferences for that. So once I realized all that, I think SFMA and the TPI course, I don't know if you've ever taken that, John, they have that mentality of where it's like you have your, your medical person, you have your skills coach, you have your strength and conditioning coach for one athlete, you know, really adopting that uh, just helps out the athlete and everybody who's like hopped in on it is, is, is thank me. And you can see it's cool. Cause like they'll end with me and they continue those relationships with those skills coaches, those strength and conditioning coaches. Mm-hmm. And as a result of that, probably seeing me much less, which I'm all about, you know, which is weird as a business owner. Uh, you're like, Oh yeah. You know, I'm not getting any revenue from it, but to see them healthy, uh, you know, excelling more at their sport now, being better than they ever were, were because of these other individuals are on their team. Uh, just it's, it makes me super happy. Yeah. And I think that's a growth mindset that we both share is there's enough people to go around. Right. right? And I think you're going to get more referrals from that patient that you were able to set them up for success mm-hmm. with some of those coaches versus if you just kind of let them go and they didn't maybe see the success that they could have gotten. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So it's I, I like physicians too. It's just like, yeah, they had a lot of them have their own like PT groups and everything like that, but not the knock game of those, but you know, me and you, we offer different like levels of care and different, you know, more specified to the, the active individual. And it's like, oh, we can have an ACL and we, they can go to a general population place and not to knock on them. But, you know, if I send them to a more sports specific place and they know what they're doing, especially like the ACL, I, me personally, maybe because I'm an ACL junkie, mm-hmm. uh, I don't think a, you coming out of school or being a general physical therapist should really treat that it's a very complex thing even though most people view most surgeries as non-complex but you really want to have someone who specializes who understands the the nature of the surgery the phases what can go wrong hopefully what can go right Uh, and if the surgeons are like oh let me refer them to this person that way they have a really great outcome the patient's going to remember that that's how who did the surgery and refer them you know anybody else you know especially acls unfortunately yeah on teams especially female sports you know two three other people who tear their acls so yeah it's uh hopefully getting the word out for that sort of stuff but but i think that's what's really interesting too because if you have a good relationship with a strength coach you can get someone that just had acl surgery training rather quickly mm-hmm. if they understand the process we're working together. So they're not missing a ton of time and they're maintaining their strength and they have a better outcome on the back end. Yeah. So, so I think that's where the, like you said, like you kind of stay in your lane and I can write a strength and conditioning program. I've been doing it for 25 years, but there's coaches mm-hmm. that are a hundred percent better than I am. And because they do, they've been doing it more often and they write our strength and conditioning coach in our Garnet Valley clinic, Rob Rabina. We, one time he wrote, wrote like 2,500 programs in a year is like his average. And he's been doing he's, wow. he's been doing it forever. So he one hundred percent can write a better program than I can. Absolutely, right? yeah. that's all he does, right? That's that's his bread and butter. So why would you know let them have at it? Exactly. And and when you find a good coach that you can coordinate that with, you have absolute mm-hmm. trust that they're going to know how to manage an ACL and mm-hmm. and help improve the outcomes for everyone on the back end. Yeah, I'll give credit to uh, Dr. Sharon Wetworth, who I did a lot of my ACL with. Uh, she has a clinic where. She was like, oh, it's like 80% ACLs. Uh, at times, it was almost like it was 100. Very amazing place, elite sports physical therapy. But 
she had strength and conditioning coaches on her staff. And then her husband, uh, Bobby Smith, wrote, ran rep and uh, had the strength and conditioning side. And she was, she would straight up be like, we do our table things or manual. And she's just like, I give them the, like the flow sheet or their exercises and give it to the strength and conditioning coaches. She's like straight up. They know it better than I do. They, yeah. they know what to do at when and that sort of stuff. I'm just here when things come up or especially the hands-on sort of stuff. So mm-hmm. once I got all like understanding that, luckily I got walls in PT schools. Like oh, that makes sense. That's awesome. I, I don't know about you, but I don't, I, you know, we're, I don't want this to come across the wrong way, but we're, you know, it's purported that PTs are the movement specialists. And I, I think sometimes maybe, but I think most of the time a strength coach has probably seen more movement, coached a little bit more and can write a better program. <laughs> I, I agree. I agree. I think I, 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 I've had our, like discussions with my students about that. I'm like, really, maybe we should be like labeled, like maybe the facilitators of healing yeah. of whatever sorts, whether it's direct access or the first like group to see people will facilitate healing or even after surgery. But to say that we're like movements, I mean, those are like kinesiologists, strength and conditioning coaches. Those those are probably the ones that are really the movement specialists, if I think about it. So I agree with you, absolutely, wholeheartedly. Nice. So so what's next for you? You just you just opened a, a another clinic, a second clinic. Mm-hmm. Um, what's next for you? Do you have anything both personally, professionally, that's kind of on the horizon that you want to get out there for people? Yeah. So yeah, I want to continue to invest, uh, getting our second office, uh, in Cherry Hill, uh, more up and running. It's, it's, it's growing each, each month, which is nice. So that's definitely where I'm spending most of my clinical time. And, uh, yeah, I got a couple presentations at some conferences, uh, mostly about ACLs, uh, in the, in the future. And then, uh, yeah, so I guess professionally I wanted to start, I keep saying it, uh, I'm like, oh, I gotta do some more business-minded stuff. You know, you know, they don't really go too much into business school uh, uh, when you're in PT school, uh, which is, I think, a little bit difference between us and uh, chiropractors. I know they get some business stuff. Uh, I'm like, oh yeah, I gotta do that. So, I mean, we've been successful, but you know, we can probably even be better. There's probably a lot of things I don't know in regards to business versus uh, was it flying the plane as you're gluing it together, which is pretty much what has. <laughs> what I've done from a business side of things, but hopefully I can do that. And then, yeah, I continue to grow, lead, mentor the company. And then uh, maybe in a couple of years, I'll, I'll do some post-fellowship work, uh, maybe get my DSC. Uh, that's, that's probably way down the line. And then uh, I guess it's coming time that, you know, I always say trifecta is my baby, but maybe uh, maybe just, you know, settle down a little bit and start a family, but that's probably the personal goals got the dog now i got used to that and then yeah. the next step is uh you know mrs boyd has been very patient so uh but that's probably the next move i love it that's great so <laughs> great great so we've been adding uh or we've been ending each of these episodes with like a final five quick fire questions to give people more insight into who you are i think this would be really fun with you because you've already said you've you've you're this giant goofball and it's clear on social media that it is. So I think these are going to be fun, fun questions for you. You ready? Mm -hmm. I'm ready. All right. So you're walking into the clinic on a Monday morning, ready to take on the week. What's your walkout song? Walk out song. Like I'm ending the day. No, I'm sorry. Walk like walking into the clinic. Oh, okay. Uh, watch for this boom. by major laser. Okay. Anybody needs to get, like get, get hyped. That's, that's a song to do it. Nice. Like it. What, what's your favorite exercise? 
Oh, favorite exercise. That's a, oh, that's a great question. Probably the deadlift. Uh, just straight up, if I if I was limited to only being able to do one exercise for, and like Derek, Jeremy can't add anything else, it'd probably be the deadlift. Not saying that I'm the greatest deadlifter in the world, but yeah. that's that's probably it. Name's great. It hits a lot, a lot of areas. I'm going with the deadlift. Good answer. If you had to eat one food for the rest of your life, what would it be? Ah, oh, it's gotta be it's gotta be pizza. That was the original business plan was to have a pizzeria as a kid. So I got I got stick with my guns there. Who could you go pizzeria PT shop? Oh, uh, you know what? That I'd I'll be all about that to be honest. There's <laughs> there's a you know space next to my other office, so maybe maybe we'll put pizzeria in there. Uh, how much rehab do you think we get done with the like wafting smells of like pepperoni and like mozzarella cheese coming through the clinic? <laughs> Either a lot or absolutely none. Yeah. Uh, so uh, I was thinking about like my I have a friend in uh, Charlotte who just opened a PT practice in a brewery, and I thought that and we have a podcast, Manips and Sips, where we I talk about beers and that sort of stuff, and I'm yeah. like. I don't know if that facilitates rehab or just absolutely crushes it. So I got to talk to him next time. But uh, I've, thought, I've thought about like the PT clinic coffee shop. That's a good one. It just I seems know. like a lot involved in like the food side of things. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. I wouldn't mess around with it. But. No. I'm trying no. to simplify my life, not comp- add complication. Yeah, absolutely. Along those lines, what's your, do you have a guilty pleasure? Guilty pleasure. Like long walks on the beach. Yeah. Hmm. Well, uh, that's a good. That's a good question. I guess. Uh, well, that's yeah. Like, that's going with music and that sort of. I mean, I went to a concert on Tuesday, which was be of the EDM house sort of thing. People think it's weird that you know doctors listen to that type of music, but I love that sort of stuff. So yeah, yeah there, there it is. Going to like concerts and like especially EDM style ones with my wife. So. There's my guilty pleasure. It's out nice. there. And then what's your favorite thing about the Philadelphia area? Oh, uh, that's a, that's a good question. I mean, that's what, the vibes of Philly, you know, <laughs> New Jersey gets a knock, you know, that's not the nicest people, but uh, I, I love the, the, just the energy of like Philly itself and how it kind of spreads into the, especially the South Jersey area. Uh, I'll, I'll talk smack on the North Jersey being that more from central North, but, yeah. People are a lot kinder. They got like they go out of their way a little bit more, and the the energy, especially along the sports side of things, and you know that blue collarness, uh, I think is uh, I think that's something special. So Philly's one of my favorite cities. I've been luckily I've been able to travel a lot because my wife works for uh, the travel industry, but Philly always always remains one of my favorite cities. And I think a lot of it's because of the the, the energy from it. Nice, I love it. Well, in closing, Jeremy, do you have any final thoughts or can you share with people how they can get a hold of you, what your social media handles are, you know, in case, in case they want to check out what you're doing? Yeah, I guess final thoughts, I guess in summary, I mean, uh, people, you have access to amazing people like John and, you know, I'm sure all the great people of the show. Uh, so make sure you do your due diligence and try and reach out to those people. Uh, me personally, we're at Trifecta Therapeutics. That's, that's the company one. Uh, my personal, uh, Instagram's at the decent doctor. That's what I'm saying. I'm decent. I'm trying to always get better. I'm not the great doctor, but uh, that's it. Uh, my email, 
Uh, you know, I'll give you the simple one over over uh, over this show that the at the decent doctor at gmail.com that they'll I'll spare you the the business one. Yeah, feel free to reach out to me. I'm an open book. Uh, you know, whether it's uh, you know questions about you personally as a person, uh, mentorship or anything like that, can help guide you in any way I can. Yep. Well, I appreciate you, Jeremy. Everything I said at the beginning is true, and keep doing, keep fighting the good fight, giving good care, and and hopefully we can continue to show people what's out there as far as you know physical therapy rehabilitation as it is specific to to athletes and more active individuals. So thank you. Well, thank you. All right, we'll talk soon. Thanks. Hey, hold on a second. Don't leave yet. This is your host, Dr. John Herding, and I hope you enjoyed this episode of Fitness Philadelphia. If you did, I'm going to ask you to do three simple things. They take less than five minutes, and they go such a long way, we really do appreciate it. Number one, please subscribe to our show wherever you listen to it iTunes, Spotify, or whatever it may be. Number two, please leave us a favorable review. Number three, share it. Put it on social media, talk about it with your friends, send it in a text message, whatever you can do to share this episode because we put a lot of work into it and we wanna make sure as many people are getting the value out of it as possible. And lastly, if you'd like to learn more, please go to precisionperformancept.com backslash fitnessphiladelphia. Thank you so much. This is Dr. John Herding. This is Fitness Philadelphia, and have a great day.